Hey, it's Kimberly, host of the Start Me Up podcast. If you like your politics with some loose talk and salty language, you're going to love my show. I interview the coolest people like Mary Trump, Kathy Griffin, and DNC chair Jamie Harrison. The Start Me Up podcast has an easygoing, casual style and a strong emphasis on left-leaning politics. We also have frank discussions about sex and more than a few spirited rants. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup or wherever you get your podcasts and start listening today. Please join me in thanking Credit Karma for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Hey all, this is Glenn Kirshner, and you're listening to Mueller, she wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., Allison Gill. We have a lot to get to today. Um... There's a lot of Mueller news coming out right now because statutes of limitations are starting to expire and things are starting to happen. And we have uh, a show today including a pretty lit fantasy indictment league, as a matter of fact. And because of the amount of news, uh, I will conclude the Val Brooksmith interview next week. Uh, We have new information this week about Mike Flynn, Roger Stone, Steve Wynn, and Tom Barrick. Uh, We do have a lot to get to, so let's jump in with just the facts. All right. First up, disgraced former National Security Advisor and twice-admitted felon Michael Flynn filed a $50 million damage claim against the U.S. Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, Special Counsel Robert Mueller, the FBI, the office of former President Barack Obama, and Jesus. I'm kidding, not Jesus. Uh, This lawsuit is for malicious prosecution. The claim is a prelude to a possible further lawsuit. In a civil claim form, first reported uh, by Just the News on Sunday of last week, Flynn assessed $5 million in property damages and $45 million in personal injury as a result of a lengthy investigation and prosecution for lying to the FBI. The filing states Flynn, who briefly served as National Security Advisor to the former president, is seeking damages for, quote, lost past revenue and future earnings revenue, emotional distress, lost opportunity to be the president's national security advisor, (laughs) significant restraints of personal liberty, attorney's fees and expenses and court costs in defending against malicious prosecution, abusive process, false arrest, uh, and some other things, activities of the FBI, DOJ, and the White House. Now, I know what you're thinking. Didn't Trump fire Flynn? Yes. Yes, he did. But Donald is not named in this lawsuit. Uh, Jesse Banal, an attorney representing Flynn, told Just the News that the civil claim is a prelude to a formal lawsuit. Banal said Flynn is prepared to sue the Department of Justice if his claim is rejected. 
In a supplemental filing, Flynn's team argued he first drew the ire of the FBI leadership in 2014 after he intervened on behalf of counterterrorism official Robin Gritz, who specifically named and accused then-Deputy FBI Director Andy McCabe and other top FBI officials of sexual discrimination. Gritz also accused McCabe of violating the Hatch Act by campaigning for his wife's Virginia state Senate race. Mm-hmm. That went nowhere. Flynn's team further alleged McCabe and Obama's administration disliked him for differences in political views. <laughs> he's a fascist, uh, and he's compromised, uh, and he's a national security threat. But okay, Flynn's filing noted a report by the Associated Press shortly after the 2016 election that said of all Trump's choices, White House officials said it was the selection of Flynn that felt like the most devastating blow, given the immense authority the National Security Advisor has over matters of war and peace. A 2016 American Enterprise Institute blog post further said the Obama administration disliked Flynn, quote, because he warned them about the danger of Obama's Iraq withdrawal and predicted a rise of ISIS, and then after leaving office called Obama out for failing to heed that advice. Flynn's team argues that the Obama administration's disdain for Flynn was so great Quote, that they calculatingly and with actual malice and corrupt motives conspired to and did use the tremendous power of their positions in the executive office of the president to force me to lie to the FBI. No, they didn't say that last part. Uh, And use the executive office of the president to personally oppress and harm Flynn. Yeah, no one can take uh, accountability or (laughs) for their own actions. Flynn's team argued that the outgoing Obama administration's efforts to harm Flynn were combined with a broader effort to undermine the incoming Trump administration. Flynn's team argues the effort to harm Flynn came to a head when the FBI agent Peter Strzok and FBI agent Joe, uh, I think it's Pintka, interviewed Flynn in January of 2017 about the call he had with Kislyak. It says here, a call he had with with Kislyak. Flynn's team alleged that though the two FBI agents' notes show that they didn't believe Flynn was lying during the interview, special counsel Robert Mueller ultimately charged Flynn with lying to the FBI in November of 2017. That's not exactly true. Flynn did plead guilty to the lying charge twice, but uh, his team, who was taken over by Sidney Powell, who is now being sued for disbarment and has been sanctioned, uh, argued, she argued, the FBI hid their assessment that he wasn't lying, as well as notes from the Oval Office meeting in which the FBI Director James Comey said Flynn's calls with Kislyak were legit. Oh, this is so ridiculous. And then Vice President Joe Biden suggested using the Logan Act to prosecute Flynn, despite the fact that the Logan Act had never been used to prosecute any individual in the United States since its enactment in the 18th century. That actually isn't quite the flex you think it is, Flynn. Uh, this is hilarious. Anyway, discovery should be great. If it gets that far, it probably won't, but it'll be lit if it does. Next up, the RNC has had some pretty janky finance chairs, including Elliot Broidy, who Donald pardoned, Michael Cohen, who was convicted in the Stormy Daniels hush money scheme, uh, and casino mogul Steve Wynn. And this week, the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit to compel Steve Wynn to register as a foreign agent for China. Let's check out the filing. Quote, the statutory injunction action is brought under the Foreign Agents Registration Act of 1938 as amended 22 U.S. Code Section 611 to 621, FARA, or the Act, to compel the defendant, Stephen A. Wynn, pursuant to 22 U.S. Code 168F, to submit a true and complete registration statement and supplements thereto to the Attorney General as required by law. Defendant is obligated to file these materials by virtue of his acting as an agent of two foreign principals, Sun Li Jun, Sun, 
uh, the former vice minister for public security of the People's Republic of China, and the People's Republic of China itself. Specifically, at the request of Sun and on behalf of the People's Republic of China, the defendant, Steve Wynn, conveyed to former President Trump and his administration the People's Republic of China's request to remove from the country a PRC national who had sought political asylum in the United States. In so doing, from at least June 2017 through at least August 2017, the defendant acted as an agent for foreign principals Sun and the PRC, that's the People's Republic of China, and engaged in political activities on their behalf in the United States. The defendant, therefore, has an obligation to file under fair and register with the Attorney General under 22 U.S. Code 612A. Nevertheless, after having been informed by a U.S. Department of Justice of his obligation in letters dated May 16, 2018, October 27, 2021, and April 13, 2022, boy, that's a lot of chances, the defendant refused to register. Because his failure to file constitutes an ongoing violation of FARA, and given the likelihood that his violation will continue in the absence of a court order, a permanent injunction is necessary. Among the chief purposes of FARA is to inform the public, American public, of the activities of agents in the United States working for foreign principles to influence the U.S. government or the American public with reference to the domestic or foreign policies of the United States or with reference to the political or public interests, policies, or relations of a foreign country or a foreign political party. U.S. agents of foreign principals must register with the Attorney General and make certain disclosures in the registration filings concerning their agency relationships and activities undertaken within the United States on behalf of their respective foreign principals. FARA's quote-unquote agency determination is a two-part inquiry that considers, first, the relationship between the agent and the foreign principal, and second, the activities that the agent performs in the principal's interests. Agency uh, relationships for purposes of FARA include situations where there's an indirect relationship between an agent and a foreign principal through an intermediary. As relevant here, the term agent or foreign principal under FARA means any person who acts as an agent, representative, employee, or servant, or any person who acts in any other capacity at that order, request, or under direction or control of a foreign principal or a person, any of whose activities are directly or indirectly supervised, directed, controlled, financed, or subsidized in whole or in major part by a foreign principal, and who directly or through any other person engages within the United States in political activities for or in the interest of such foreign principals, or within the United States represents the interest of such foreign principals before any agency or office of the government of the United States. That's what the law says. Then we get to the factual allegations. And guess whose name shows up? Quote, in approximately May 2017, during a meeting coordinated by foreign national Lo Teak Joe, also known as Joe Lo, Soon asked business person and former finance chair of the Republican National Committee, Elliot Broidy, hip-hop artist Praz Michelle, and business person Nikki Loom Davis to lobby then-President Trump and the Trump administration to convey the PRC's request to cancel the visa of or otherwise remove from the United States a PRC business person who left China in 2014, was later charged with corruption by the PRC and sought political asylum in the United States. Here and after, they will be referred to as the PRC National. In approximately June 2017, Broidy, on behalf of Soon, elicited the defendant's help in the lobbying effort. Defendant served, that's when, served as the RNC finance chair from January 2017 through January 2018 and met Broidy through that work. Broidy believed that the defendant's RNC experience, <laughs> combined with the defendant's business dealings in the PRC, get that, 
combined with Steve Wynn's business dealings in the PRC and friendship with Trump would be helpful in getting access to Trump administration officials. Broidy told the defendant that the PRC national was a criminal wanted by the PRC who was hiding in the U.S., that the PRC wanted him arrested, and that his visa was due to expire soon. Broidy informed the defendant, Steve Wynn, that Broidy had received this information from Soon of the PRC's Ministry of Public Security and that Soon requested the defendant's help in bringing the issue to the attention of the Trump administration. Broidy provided the defendant with the PRC National's passport, photos, and Interpol red notice, along with links to various news articles about the PRC National. In or around June 2017, Sun spoke by phone with the defendant, Steve Wynn, and requested Steve Wynn's assistance with seeking the removal of the PRC National. The defendant agreed to raise the matter with then-President Trump and Trump administration officials. Defendant had no prior connection to the PRC National or independent interest in his removal. That's very important. Steve Wynn had no prior connection to this PRC National or independent interest in his removal from the United States as an asylum seeker from the People's Republic of China. Also in June 2017, Sun, through Elliot Broidy, sought the defendant's assistance in having the PRC national placed on the no-fly list and having his new visa application denied. During a dinner on or about June 27, 2017, when then-President Trump and other administration officials were in Washington, D.C., the defendant conveyed to Trump the PRC's desire the China's desire to have this national removed from the United States and provided the PRC national's passport photos to then-President Trump's secretary. Defendant's conduct was motivated by his desire to protect his business interest in the People's Republic of China, that's Steve Wynn's business interest. In an undated text message, the defendant told Loom Davis to advise a PRC official to have the People's Republic of China ambassador in Washington, D.C., contact two senior-level NSC officials directly. Defendant wrote in the message that he had spoken with both individuals and received assurances that all parties in the White House were fully sensitive to the timing of the issue and the relevant USA procedural law involved. Lum Davis was indicted alongside founding Fuji's member, Pras Michelle, by the way. According to public reporting in 2016, shortly before the conduct described above occurred, the Macau government, that's part of the PRC, restricted the number of gaming tables and machines that the defendant Steve Wynn's casino could operate. Also, according to public reporting, the defendant was scheduled to renegotiate his licenses to operate casinos in Macau in 2019, subsequent to the conduct described above. So, why a lawsuit and not an indictment? That was my first question. And I spoke to some experts on FARA. Uh, and it is what I suspected. This is indicative that the Department of Justice did not meet the criminal elements of a FARA violation to charge Steve Wynn. That requires intent, which is notoriously hard to prove. However, do not underestimate how badly this will fuck Steve Wynn if the Department of Justice wins this case, which I predict it will. So that's what's going on with that. Uh, everybody stick around. We have a lot more to get to. Um, we just need to take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. In today's world, a good credit score can considerably improve your ability to navigate the financial choices that impact our lives the most. From emergency expenses to long-term planning, building your credit can be the difference between frustration and following your dreams. 
I should know. In my own experience with finances, building my credit has opened doors for me to things that I would never have been able to achieve otherwise. I am thankful I started early and I've stayed focused on it. The benefits cannot be overestimated. And it doesn't matter whether you're paying down old debt or planning for major upcoming expenses, Credit Karma has solutions for you. Credit Karma can help you transition away from using high interest rate credit cards by helping you find a personal loan with a lower interest rate based on your personal credit information. So the solution is a tailor-made uh, loan for your exact financial situation. Credit Karma also shows your chance of approval. So you can choose the loan offers that make the most sense and you can apply with confidence. Now, comparing offers on Credit Karma, 100% free. And it's a soft pull. It will not impact your credit score. You have nothing to lose but high interest credit card debt. Uh, and they can help save you money. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. If you're ready to apply, head to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see personalized offers. Again, go to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for Sabotage. All right, our Sabotage today. It was known... As FOS, or Friends of Stone. And while its members shifted over time, they were a motley cast of characters. This is the opening from the New York Times article this week. They were Stop the Steal organizers, right-wing influencers, Florida state legislative aides, and more than one failed candidate loyal to former President Donald Trump. One participant ran a website that promoted disinformation about the Capitol attack. Another was an officer in the Army Reserves, allied with Mike Flynn, Mr. Trump's former national security advisor, who we talked about at the top of the hour. At least three members of the group chat are now facing charges in connection with the riot at the Capitol in January 2021. They include Owen Schroyer, the right-hand man of the conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, Enrique Tario, the one-time chairman of the Proud Boys, and Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers militia. But the focus of the chat was always the man whose photo topped its homepage. Roger Stone, a longtime political operative and advisor to Donald. While little is known about what was said in the chat, the membership list of Friends of Stone, provided to the New York Times by one of its participants, offers kind of a roadmap to Stone's associations showing the scope and nature of their critical period, the critical period, after the 2020 election. During that time, as we know, Stone was involved with a strikingly wide array of people who participated in the effort to challenge the vote count and overturn the election and participate in the coup. Some of the 47, 47 people on the list are identified only by nicknames or initials, and Mr. Stone has pre-existing political ties with many of them. Still, as prosecutors deepen their inquiry into the storming of the Capitol and the conspirators at the top, this list suggests that Mr. Stone had the means to be in a private contact with key players in the events of January 6, political organizers, far-right extremists, and influential media figures who subsequently played down the attack. Played it down. Didn't happen. Rewriting history, right? And while the oranges of the group, the origins of the group, chat, uh, remain somewhat obscure, Friends of Stone has existed since at least 2019 when Mr. Stone was indicted in connection with the Russian investigation by Robert Mueller. And that's according to one of its participants, Pete Santilli, a veteran right-wing radio host. According to Santilli, the group chat hosted on the encrypted app Signal was kind of a safe space where pro-Stone figures in politics and media, many of whom were banned from social media, could get together and trade links and stories about their mutual buddy. In recent weeks, the Justice Department has expanded its investigation of the riot. Actually, it's done this months ago. We just learned about it in recent weeks. Be careful with your words, New York Times. In recent weeks, the Justice Department has expanded its investigation of the riot, 
uh, from those who physically attacked the Capitol to those who weren't at the building. Now, see, this bums me out because Enrique Tarrio's indictment wasn't in within recent weeks and he wasn't at the Capitol. Uh, Stuart Rhodes was not in the Capitol and he was indicted a long ass time ago. Anyway, um, the, so now it's expanded to look at to the leaders, right? Investigators appear to be interested in finding any links between organizers who planned pro-Trump rallies at the Capitol that day and right-wing militants who took part in the assault. And it says here, investigators appear to be interested. They more than appear to be interested. They've issued fucking subpoenas. I need to write for these papers. The group chat's membership list includes several people who fit that description, by the way. Mm-hmm. Named on the list are activists like Marsha Lessard and Christina Skaggs, leader of a group called the Virginia Freedom Keepers, who helped organize an anti-vaccine rally scheduled for the east side of the Capitol on January 6th. Ms. Lessard and Ms. Skaggs worked with another anti-vaccine activist, Ty Bollinger, who was also on the list. And with that in mind, it's time for the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted! No, wait, it's going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! All right, everyone, if you had superseding Tom Barrack indictments on your team this week, give yourself a point. Congratulations. Touchdown. Spike the ball. P.A.T. Point after indictment. <laughs> P.A.I. Uh, here's some highlights uh, from this 55 page indictment. This is superseding, mind you. Let's start on page eight. Part B is in Bravo entitled The National Political Party Platform. Now, if you'll remember, we talked at length when we went over the Mueller report and in the year or so, two years leading up to the Mueller report, the RNC platform at the Republican National Convention and the meetings with Dearborn and Mash, Mashburn and Dearborn and Manafort and Bannon all trying to change the language of the RNC platform to pull out that lethal language in support of Ukraine. And a bunch of Republicans saying, excuse me, uh, U.S. policy is to help Ukraine and not Russia. However, that's what went down. So we talked at length about that. But in here, in the indictment, on or about May 30th, 2016, okay, so place yourself back in May 30th, 2016, okay, this is uh, before uh, the election, person one, emailed the defendant, Tom Barrick. Now, person one, by the way, is Paul Manafort. So Paul Manafort emailed Tom Barrick stating, we need to talk about language for me to put in the National Policy Party platform at National Convention. Can be much more expansive than what we did in speech. U.S. person one added that the platform language would be based on what you hear from your friends. His friends are the UAE, by the way. On or about July 13th, 2016, a couple months later, the defendant, Tom Barrick, forwarded an email from Manafort to Al-Malik, his co-conspirator who's also indicted here. The email from Manafort advised that language, quote, that was anti the Saudi royal family was removed from the platform of the U.S. political committee associated with the candidate. <laughs> That's the RNC. The removed language had, quote, called for the release of 28 pages of sensitive documents gathered during the investigation of the terrorist attacks on September 11th, which, quote, allegedly contained information that asserts involvement by the Saudi government. In his email to Al-Malik, Tom Barrick stated that Manafort's email was very confidential, but you can share with HH. Please do not circulate any further since it's very sensitive. Thereafter... 
Al-Malik forwarded the email to Emirati Official 4. Tom Barrick also advised Emirati Official 5 of the information provided by Manafort, stating that the information was really confidential, but important. Really interesting. So they fucked with the language on the Saudis in the, in the Republican platform, as well as Ukraine. Next up on page 36, this is the section that interests me as well. This section is entitled, The Defendant's Efforts to Obtain Investments from the UAE Sovereign Wealth Fund. At the same time, the defendant, uh, Al-Malik, and Tom Barrick, and Matthew Grimes, acted at the direction of the UAE officials and aided and abetted one other in so acting. Tom Barrick and Grimes also made numerous and concerted efforts, both directly and through Al-Malik, to solicit the assistance of the UAE officials, including Emirati Official 1 and Emirati Official 2, in obtaining hundreds of millions of dollars in investments for Company A, which in this case is Colony Capital, that's Tom Barrick's company, by UAE Sovereign Wealth Funds. According to records maintained by Company A, Colony Capital, Colony Capital raised no new capital from UAE Sovereign Wealth Funds between 2009 and 2016, but in 2017 and 2018, as part of a result of the efforts of the defendants, Tom Barrick, Matthew Grimes, and the assistance of the defendant, Al-Malik, uh, and UAE officials, Colony Capital raised approximately $374 million from the UAE Emirates, the United Arab Emirates Sovereign Wealth Funds. So nothing from 2009 to 2016. In the two years of 2017 and 2018, as a result of the efforts of Tom Barrick, etc., and then his buddies, $374 million from UAE into Barrick's colony capital company. On December 13, 2016, the defendant Matthew Grimes emailed himself a document summarizing the structure of the proposed investment fund, which stated in relevant part, while the primary purpose of the investment fund will be to achieve outsized financial returns, it will also accomplish a secondary mandate to garner political credibility for its contributors to the policies of the president-elect. That's Trump. We will do so by sourcing investing, financing, operationally improving, and harvesting assets in those industries which will benefit most from a Trump presidency. Not for nothing. But we also know Kushner got $2 billion from the Saudis for harvesting assets. So I'm looking forward to perhaps an indictment there. And with that, my picks for this week, and I haven't had him on my team in years, Jared Kushner. And I'm bringing back Paul Manafort. He's off the, he's off the DL. <laughs> he's off the disabled. Uh, Bannon. Okay, uh, Roger Stone, with his connection uh, to the uh, the FOS, the Friends of Stone. He's such a creative man. Bring him back, Stone. Rudy, been on my radar for a really long time up there in the uh, Southern District of New York, where he used to be the U.S. Attorney. I'm gonna go Dimitri Furtash. Okay, and that's all got to do with fraud guarantee and Rudy and Lev and Igor, which means there might be a Lev and Igor plea agreement. Look for that. Because their previous indictments were about other stuff. Tonzing, Victoria Tonzing, whose phones were also seized in the Rudy raid in April of 2021. Matt Gates for public corruption and child sex trafficking. 
L.A. Key, who got a fishy contract with Joel Greenberg, whose sentencing hearing just got pushed back again. This time, the judge said, August 2022 latest, y'all. And then uh, Alex Jones. Because Alex Jones is directly connected with um, the Oath Keepers. And it was supposed to have, we were supposed to see a third superseding indictment for the Proud Boys, according to an Enrique Tarrio uh, filing. We were supposed to see a third superseding on the Proud Boys, probably what I thought was going to include seditious conspiracy, by May 20th. It is May 20th as I record this, and I still don't see it. We'll keep you posted. Although the Oath Keepers now, in the Oath Keepers case, the Department of Justice has filed a thing saying, we got a lot, we got a lot to go over. We've got all these cooperating witnesses, and we are co- they are cooperating in huge detail, and we are going to give you an update, a status update on the cooperation of these five individuals. These are Oath Keepers. We're going to give you uh, Oath Keepers and Proud Boys and some other people. We're going to give you an update, status update on uh, October, in October. That's how big this is they aren't picking october because they're slow walking it they're picking october because that's how much time they need to get the proffer of all these people i mean think about it they've been proffering joel greenberg for almost a year do you think maybe the coup was a little more complicated yeah and they've got multiple defendants they need to get proffer from so i wouldn't expect any high level indictments super high level indictments before then so that means after the election so don't base your vote on whether or not the department of justice tackles and handcuffs donald trump please don't do that we can't afford it all right that is my fantasy indictment league ending with alex jones please check out the msw book club out today with the first couple chapters of allow me to retort by ellie mistal check out last week's episode interview with ellie if you haven't yet And, of course, I'll be back tomorrow for the Daily Beans with Dana Goldberg. Until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, and boat blue over Q. I've been A.G., and this is Mueller, She Wrote. Mueller, She Wrote is written and produced by Allison Gill in partnership with MSW Media. Sound design and engineering are by Molly Hockey. Jesse Egan is our copywriter and our art and web designer by Joel Reeder at Moxie Design Studios. Mueller, She Wrote is a proud member of MSW Media, a group of creator-owned podcasts focused on news, justice, and politics. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Feds favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond, plus sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. M-S-W-Media.